you should hire people who are smarter than you are and not be threatened by the brilliant people that surround you. And you are so much better by virtue of having those kinds of people around you. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guest is Jane Hertzmark-Huddis. Jane is an executive group president of the Estee Lauder Companies, where she leads the company's primary brands, including Tom Ford Beauty, La Mer, and Origins, among others. Jane joined Estee Lauder over 30 years ago, straight out of business school in a marketing role. And now she's a key member of the executive leadership team. Throughout her career, Jane has been recognized with many industry honors, including the FIT Vanguard Award, the Women's Wear Daily Beauty Newsmaker Award, and the Cosmetic Executive Women Achiever Award. Jane, welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So before we get into the conversation, we like to warm up with a lightning round. So quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's one word a direct report would use to describe you? Passionate. First job you got paid for? Babysitter to Ralph Lauren's two boys, David and Andrew. Do you have any hobbies or skills that we wouldn't know about from Googling you? I'm super organized. That is a skill. I would say it's a super skill. What is a tip to get over jet lag? Put on a lot of advanced night repair and drink a lot of water. One product you can't live without. That is it, truly. Advanced Night Repair, I've been using it for many, many, many years, morning and night, and it's my go-to. What is the most out-there beauty trend you have tried? Most out-there beauty trend I tried was when I was 13 years old and going to my senior prom, and I put on green eyeshadow from Mary Quant. Wait, you were 13 and going to a senior prom? Well, not a senior prom, a prom. Oh, okay. A prom. I was that's like, right. did you skip? Like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. That's where I was no, taking this. No, but it was prom and I, I went to Bloomingdale's and I had my makeup done for the first time and I came home. My mother was horrified, but I was determined to go with it. And it was bright green and shimmery. And it was one of my early forays into beauty. What is the last TV show you binge watched? The morning show. Favorite place to travel? Oh, St. Bart's. One person you want to have at a dinner party, alive or dead? Picasso. That's a good answer. We have not had that one before. Okay. I want to get in to your tenor at Estee Lauder. We've had many different people on this show, and it's really interesting how it falls into largely two camps. People that are likely to start something, iterate, run it, and go to the next thing. And then people like yourself that have been such a part of the fabric of something for years. You have risen amongst the ranks and grown your career at one organization. 
How did you decide or did you ever decide that that was the path for you? Well, I never decided that I would be at one place, but I did have a very good instinct that I wanted to be in the beauty business. So I was an art history major in college. After I graduated from school, I actually took a job in PR for a couple of years with a woman named Fern Malice. And I really understood that I was a left brain and right brain person. So I thought that beauty would combine my ability to see and create with the tangible aspect of a business. You know, you sold 100 today, you want to sell 200 tomorrow. And that it would be a kind of magic combination. And my instinct was very right. I was the only person or one of the very few people after Columbia Business School who did not go to Wall Street and decided to follow my own path. And so I gave it a whirl and I fell madly in love. So I was very lucky to land in a place, in a company, and in a business that I found super interesting and stimulating. And so it's very funny because, you know, when I came here, I was 26 years old. I was a marketing manager on a brand called Prescriptives. A few weeks after I was in the job and very new, my boss came to me and said, you know, I'm getting rid of your boss and I'm giving you the opportunity to run all of marketing in prescriptives. And so how old were you? 26. Wow. That's a big, big leap. Very big. And I said to him, I really don't know what I'm doing. I might look like I know what's going on, but I haven't a clue. He laughed. And that was the beginning of my career. And I worked seven days a week for the first two years to teach myself the business. I was very, very lucky to meet Leonard Lauder very early on. The time he was the CEO of the company who became an incredible mentor to me. And that's how it all began. So we're going to get into his mentorship. Before we do, I want to go back to the thought that, you know, it's unusual now, especially with someone with millennials, but definitely with Gen Z, that people stay or even consider staying in, in the same organization to build the bulk or, or the entirety of their career. What has that given you? Why has it been the right choice for you? And what do you think it's provided for you and your career? So, you know, I fell in love with brand building and we are a company that's committed to brand building. And we say we're a company about great people and great brands. The most wonderful thing over time is that, first of all, I had some wonderful people who took a great interest in giving me many different kinds of experiences. Also, when I joined the company, there were only four brands. And today we have over 25. What were the first four? It was Lauder, Clinique, Aramis, and Prescriptives. And that was it. And we were a private company. And everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody's name. It was really a small, tight group of incredible people. I knew Mrs. Estee Lauder. I got the chance to meet her multiple times. And what an inspiration. And so the fact that you have so many different kinds of experiences that I was able to grow. Even in my job in prescriptives, I ran marketing and then I took on product development and then I took on education. When you find your passion, and I, I do give this advice to people, is that really being successful is about finding your passion. And so if you love what you do and you do what you love, it's really not work. It's like in school when you go for extra credit. And I've been going for extra credit for a long period of time, but it's joyous to me. It's fun. It's for sure. It's hard work, but it's been incredibly rewarding. And, you know, I've been able to also bring and mentor some amazing people along the way. So 
there are so many aspects to it today. It's about building great brands. It's learning the world and being a globalist because many of our brands are sold in up to 150 countries and understanding you know, what makes Japan and, or Korea different from China, different from Spain, different from San Francisco. And so all those kinds of things, I find that eternally fascinating. And so I do think that I ended up in the right place for me and you know, the, best, the best place in this industry. So I've been very lucky and the time really has gone by. And, you know, it's extraordinary to have been a part of a a wonderful story. And I think that's interesting to hear your journey, but also intrigues me as a boss and as the employer thinking about how I can motivate or incentivize my employees to want to stay and to grow. Do you remember a moment on your journey where there was a question or where there was an opportunity where you really felt like, you know, I could go somewhere else, but I'm choosing this because of X, Y, and Z. Yes. And it happened a couple of years into my career. (laughs) And I got a job offer on the outside. And by the way, it's so interesting when you talk about people staying with a company, or for me, it's not like headhunters don't call or opportunities don't come your way. It is a choice. And several years in, I almost left. And it was soul searching to the max. It was very hard. It was very painful. But my gut said, I can't leave and I don't want to leave. And it was really the best decision for me. You mentioned the Lauder family and especially Leonard Lauder and how they developed relationships amongst the group that became now the leadership of the company. How did that organically happen? Because one of the things that I hear a lot is people being like, and I mean this with all respect because I know how hard it is to put yourself out there, but like, will you be my mentor? And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you need? What are you asking for? There doesn't have to be this formality to it. Did that relationship develop over time? Was it more of a, you know, thinking about them as not only the leadership, but the family that this company was based off of? Was it a more formal kind of way that they sought to train a generation of leaders? E, all of the above. First of all, the family, it's Leonard, Evelyn Lauder, his wife, the children, William, Aaron and Jane, Ronald and Joker. They've all been a part of my life over this period. And each of them, I've been very blessed because each of them have taught me something very different and very special. But at the end of the day, we're a family company and we're built on family values, which is about trust. It's about caring for the individual. It's about being an organization where we teach, we grow, and we give people new opportunities. And so that culture made it so much fun. I mean, most of the time, I don't know what time it is or what day it is, I have to ask people, you know, that's the environment that they create. Did Leonard become my formal mentor, like be my mentor? No. It evolved over time without a label. And I cherish my relationship with Beyond Words. And he's taught me so many things that are passed on through this company, which is, you know, really, it's all about relationships and it's about the people you meet along the way and it's about being good to others. It's about saying please and thank you, which is super important. But it's also about a great lesson that he taught me was that you should hire people who are smarter than you are and not be threatened by the brilliant people that surround you. And you are so much better by virtue of having those kinds of people around you rather than 
people who just sort of take orders. And so I've tried to do that. I surround myself with absolutely brilliant people. I'm blessed to have a team that knows a lot more about a lot of subjects than I do. When today I try to develop them and make the best of them and have them achieve their goals and create an environment where they can succeed and be appreciated. And so that's a big, valuable part of my role today. However, mentorship is really important and very important to me. I'm a mentor to some people in the company formally. I'm a mentor to many informally. And it was my thinking, quite frankly, in 2017, when I became a group president, actually in 2016, but the idea was that I wanted to create an employee resource group for women in a company that's 80% women. And it was a very novel idea. And that's how the idea of the Women's Leadership Network was born. And I wanted to create a, and I went with others on this journey, but I, it was my idea and I led it, to create mentorship and sponsorship, especially for women in the company. I want this company to be the best place for women to build their careers, a place where they can also sidestep, have families, do what they need to do, come back, and that we would create a space where, you know, there's lots of things to be learned about how to grow your career, how to manage, how to negotiate, how to be a great leader. And we have now over 2,000 members globally in the Women's Leadership Network. And so, although Leonard was never formally my mentor, I always call him my mentor. And this is something that I really have passed on and I'm trying to create many, many times over in the company. It's so interesting. You know, when I was reading about your, your work forming that group, I never put it in perspective that it was a company that is 80% women. The SCIM were, were 80% women, albeit on a, a much smaller scale. So it's interesting that I never would have thought that. I read that you spend over 100 days on the road every year. Is that a good approximation? Yeah. I mean, minus, you know, a little COVID there. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Was it always like that? Or has it increased as you've taken on more responsibility? Well, when I took on Lauder, that was the, sort of the biggest travel moment. And that's the first thing I did was travel the world. I went to China. I went all over Europe. I went all over Asia. I went to Latin America. I went really all, all over to really understand that brand on a global basis. And I've been traveling like that, quite frankly, ever since. You don't know the world till you see the world. And until you see the women of China walking on the streets, until you see women in Brazil doing the same, like you have to feel it. You have to see it. You have to understand consumers. And I am voracious about that really turns me on is understanding consumers. And so we absolutely, I'm not the only one. My colleagues travel a lot as well, but yes, it's a big part of what I do and what we do. The reason why, why I ask is I loved, you know, reading about how that obviously makes sense in terms of having a global beauty business. You need to understand consumer trends. And at the same time, how was that, you know, having a family? How did that actually work? What support did you need? Because I think for me, I have two little ones. If I was traveling how I was before the pandemic, I say I don't know how I would have done it, but I actually do. I would have had a lot more help. And one of the things that we really try to push at the skim is breaking down the myth that like there's a superwoman because no one does not alone. So what did that look like for you? Okay, so the, in the lessons learned department, when my children were younger, I tried to do it all. There was less travel then. 
I was traveling less, but I did try to do what I had to do at work, come home, give them dinner, put it out, put it back, and then work after that. And then someone said to me, what are you doing? Don't you understand that a colleague here said to me that you can actually get help for this? And once I understood what a role that could play, it made life easier. You know, I always say there's no such thing as balance. It's all work-life integration. You know, when I was with my children when they were younger, they're it. As they got older, you know, they were more self-sufficient. And, you know, so I think it's much easier once children are 15, 16 and, you know, a bit more independent. And today my children are older. And so it's certainly a lot easier. And I think if you're going to travel 100 days a year, you really need the best help or you need a family support system. You need people in your life to be able to support that effort for sure, for sure, for sure. When you talk about some of the examples you gave, you know, in seeing the world and understanding the consumers, is there something you remember in bringing that back to the brand that changed the product or the marketing in a way that you didn't anticipate before you actually went to the place? I think people can have a tendency to think that this is the world, you know, and New York City is the world and it's not. And I was very passionate about bringing a global view, but a really a local understanding. And in Lauder, it was when we started to tailor the brand and doing certain programs and products for European consumers and certain ones sometimes for Chinese consumers, et cetera, or different at the time ad campaigns or communication campaigns. And so, yeah, I love the idea. We live in a global world today, no matter where we live. We know through social everything that's happening everywhere. You know, sometimes that's tough, but we really know what's happening in the world. And so I teach that understanding to my teams. And once their eyes are opened, they're really turned on and they sort of see it the same way I do, which is to make a global brand a success, you need a global understanding. Well, let's talk about social media. There are so many opinions about the beauty standards that are set by social media and influencers with filters and everything. You were early on recognizing how important social media was going to be for the business. At the same time, how did you feel about that as a consumer and a woman who's on the same platforms that, you know, or maybe not the exact same platforms as the kids are? I'm not. But (laughs) yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting because in the early teens, I brought Kendall Jenner to Lauder and she was about 17 or 18. That's all. <laughs> and she was holding up her iPhone the whole time she was talking to me. And I was saying, what are you doing? And why can't we talk? You know, and she taught me at the time she had 16 million followers. And she actually was the first person to really teach me about social media. OK, talk about it. a great teacher. And she's an extraordinary woman, by the way, and lovely. So what did she say? Like she was literally filming your conversation. No, she was looking at her phone while she was talking to me. She was double timing me. She was watching, you know, probably Instagram at the time. And she was talking to me and seeing if somebody was posting. And so I started to see this life where people look away. They don't pay attention. They're looking at this and looking at that. But then I started to get into it. And then I started to also see the world through her eyes and started to understand how the world was changing and how communication was changing. And so, yes, In the early days, that's how I really got into it and led my teams to get into it. Today, wow. First of all, I'm so glad we're a company with reverse mentors. We all have them. And it's just the best. I was going to ask about that. How does that work? So we're each assigned a person 
who is much, you know, starting out, more starting out in their career, let's put it that way, and who are on top of social media and trends and are teaching me and other senior uh, leaders about what's going on, whether it's the latest trend on TikTok, whether it's a new platform, whether it's something that's getting tried out and it's not working, um, brands that are winning in social and what, it, what does it take to win or win more. It's, it's lots of different lessons and it is super interesting. And if, if my reverse mentor doesn't do it, my children do it. And it's a bit of a crazy time. And I do think at the end of the day, authenticity wins. And I do think being your authentic self wins in spite of the fact that sometimes we don't look like our most authentic selves on social media. But I think in the end, it's really about truth and everybody has to find their own truth. You know, it's such an incredible thing because people have become so much more involved in beauty. They're so much more knowledgeable. There's such a thirst for ingredients and trends and performance. And it's influenced tremendously the way we go to market and how we market even generally. Yeah. I want to talk about, I feel like since since I even started my career, there's been a shift in how you think about employee retention as being tied to getting people to really understand and invest in the company mission and vision. Knowing, one, how many brands you oversee, how do you tie it together? Or do you? Does each brand have have kind of a different culture? And then how do you drive innovation, which for a family led company is is kind of an interesting idea. Well, every brand is different and every brand is based on its own DNA. You know, Mac and Bobby are both makeup brands. They couldn't be more different, you know, from each other or Dr. Jard from La Mer. So when you think about them and you think about all the tenants and what makes those brands, those brands, my job is to hone the differences and to keep them distinct and separate. And quite frankly, the teams are so talented, they barely step on each other. And driving innovation, now innovation is at the heart of the beauty business right now. And by the way, innovation is a prime responsibility of the brand leaders. And so providing inspiration for that, providing consumer understanding for that. For me, I'm constantly, you know, in social, looking at art, design, food. I look beyond beauty. I'm studying beauty for sure but I'm looking at many different influences to see where things are coming from. And so I put all those things together and try to inspire. But quality, you know, we're prestige and luxury brand builders and quality product always wins. You know, you can recruit like crazy to, on a new trend or an idea, but unless that product is fabulous and she comes back again, that's when the business clicks. Okay, I'm going to wrap up. I've got two questions. The first is, when's the last time you negotiated for yourself? Every day. I mean, life is a negotiation. And, you know, when you say negotiate, you might be selling an idea. You might say, invest in me or invest in one of my brands. I'm someone that believes you're always selling. You're selling yourself. You're selling your ideas. You're selling ways of growing the business. And so every opportunity that you have to present is an opportunity to sell something. And so selling and negotiation sometimes go, go hand in hand because you want something in return. I think you have to be a very good negotiator and also a, a great seller of, of your ideas. And I, I try to encourage people to be the best seller of their ideas and not to miss an opportunity to sell your idea. Last question. Who is someone else we should have on the show? 
Well, that's a very, very good question. (laughs) We do tend to like reach out and it is referral based a lot of the time, which I love. Well, I think my friend Fern Malice would be a great guest. I mean, she's more in the fashion world than in the beauty world, but she's gone through so many different evolutions of her career. And I don't know how many of the entrepreneurs you've had on, the beauty entrepreneurs. We've gotten a bunch, but we always, it's fun to hear how everyone thinks about it differently. I think, I think Jen Atkins' story is interesting. I think Mariana Hewitt's. Oh, we have not had her. That's a great one. Okay, we're going to reach out. We would love to talk to her. She and I, by the way, I'm very, I'm competitive, but I'm very generous and very gracious to the people coming up. So, you know, she's somebody that we would, we consider each other friends, you know, over the years. I love seeing, you know, and maybe because I'm actually an entrepreneur at heart and part of why I've loved it here is I can be an executive and an entrepreneur at the same time. And I appreciate that. So, okay. I changed my mind. Last question. We're going to do it over again. Playing on the entrepreneur side of yourself. Is there a brand or a product you would like to create that you haven't yet? Mm. Let me put it this way. (laughs) I'm wild about skincare. And I think the upside potential of what we're going to be able to do going forward is going to far surpass anything we've done in the past. And I personally like to be the person to invent that. And, you know, I've always had it in my head to create a brand someday. So you never know. Oh, I love that. That's a great note to end on. And for all of our sakes, I really hope that you do amazing things in skincare and that I get to reap the benefits. Fantastic. So thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise. <laughs>